e te moana nui ake wa. Tēnei mātou e aurara tiana e te aumiha o mamai e te autuke o huamo. Reia atu te taiaroha o tō iwi Māori ki te huinga o te kahurangi ki o mātua tipuna e whangāna mōhau. Kei ngā kanohi ora o te motu. Rarau mai rā. Welcome to the Hui Māori Current Affairs for all New Zealanders. E taroake nei. Putting right a past wrong. It's a form of reconciliation. There's many things still to happen, but it's the journey of healing as well. It's been super humbling because we're just like we're just trying to do the right thing. We meet the Tauranga couple returning millions of dollars of church land back to Mana Whenua. It's coming from the heart of people that have learnt about our history or taken the time to learn about our history. Christopher Luxon on the Treaty, Inequity and Māori. Nationals leader sits down for his first ever interview with the Hui. Tahuti mai. Later in the show, we pay tribute to Moana Jackson. Engari mātuara itenei hōtaka. As Aotearoa gets ready to teach the history of our country in schools, a tauranga couple have demonstrated the power of learning about the past. Joel and Kate Milgate are pastors for the Curate Church and have recently decided to return one of their church buildings back to mana whenua. Kea D'Angelo Martin, tenei pūrongo. This is a story about righting the injustices of the past. We live in a city where most of the land that we see was taken, and so we wanted to see the church be in the centre of the restoration of that story. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a form of reconciliation. It's a form of healing. A tauranga couple with a vision for a better Aotearoa. We can't appreciate all of the grief, all of the disorientation that having all of your whenua taken means, but we can understand it on some level and we can recognise it. Returning millions of dollars of church real estate to mana whenua. The offer was heartfelt. We were all humbled by, by the kindness. Sunday in Maunganui and the followers of Curate Church are gathering together for their weekly service. At first glance, it's probably not a place you might associate with treaty rights. But Curate Church have just embarked on an act of true faith. Pastor Joel Milgate and wife Katie announcing on social media they will return a building owned by the church to mana whenua. That we feel called as a church to give this land and to give this building uh, to the local iwi uh, to make a wrong right as our part of that story. This $3 million community centre in central Tauranga sits on prime real estate that once belonged to local iwi Ngāti Ranginui and its hapū. My Tamarawaho. 1838, we sold some land to the church. 1,300 acres, that is, all of Taranga, uh, the length of Cameron Road. The land had a caveat on, never to be sold. 
the purpose for selling it to the church was to keep it safe from the rogues and vagabonds that were starting to permeate the society they were living in. And then in the land wars, this land was used as a stronghold for a great battle, the Battle of Gate Par just happening up the road here, and sadly a huge loss of life, a further grievance and uh, further land being taken. And post that, rather than the church go understanding, I, I guess you got the, the two worldviews colliding, right, of what land ownership means, of what stewardship means, of what kaitiaki means, and so you've got a, a Western mindset going, oh, you gave us the land, we can do with it what we want, and you've got a Māori worldview going, we don't see it that way, we gave you kaitiaki for a purpose. And so post those wars, the church gave away four-fifths of the land, but not back to the iwi. They gave it to the Crown, and that's why this is our sort of CBD or central area. After learning of the local history, Joel says he felt called to return Curate's building to Manafinua. I felt like God spoke to me in the middle of the night and yeah. said, you need to take that building and that land in Tauranga and you need to give that to the people of whom have right to it. The decision to return the building and whenua has come as a welcome surprise to Ngai Tamara Waho Kaumatua, Hirikuhu. Everyone here was humbled by that offer, taken aback a little bit, but uh, that's amazing uh, gesture by the church, and it shows that the walls are breaking down. But the gesture to return the $3 million property wasn't Pastor Joel's alone to make. It's not ours to give away, it's the church owns it, not us personally, and so then we brought it up with our, our church board and our leadership, and we wrestled with that together to go, hey, this is a big asset to give away. Do we think this is the right thing to do? Are we playing our part in the story correctly in our nation and according to our faith? Together as a church, we're giving away our land and buildings that we own in 14 Christopher Street in Tauranga. And the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Now, some people need a bit more explaining or a bit more like, they've got questions about that, of course, but I think most people can see, hey, God's doing something and it's great that we get to be a part of it as a church. It's awesome to be a part of a church that has responded so positively to that news. Situated on 700 square metres of land, the building was used to conduct church services. But since COVID, the church has used it as a community centre and recording studio. The music and stuff, this is the little music set up, yeah. Today, Ngāti Ranginui Kuia, Hemoata Willison, is being given the grand tour. This is where they'll have sit-down meals or just people come and go from this sort of space, you know. It's really wonderful, really a gracious koha. It's coming from the heart of people that I guess have learnt about our history or taken the time to learn about our history. It's a form of reconciliation. There's many things still to happen but it's the journey of healing as well. Today, Pastor Joel and Katie are continuing their journey, visiting the marae to learn about the impact of land confiscations on Waitamarawaho. You know, no land <laughs> means no food, you know. So you got nowhere to plant your gardens. Yeah. Mm. We've become hardened over the 160 or 70 years since the confiscations, our skin has become hardened to the conniving and the 
uh, of the, uh, what I call a monocultural society that we, we exist in. And the land confiscations were just the beginning. In the decades that followed, the iwi were all but erased from their whenua. In the uh, Taranga Lands Act, we were legislated out of existence because that act says that the lands confiscated belong to Ngai Tirangi. And so we had a struggle with that too. And obviously the treaty hasn't been honoured, but God hasn't stopped trying to write that story. The Curate Church wants to be on the right side of history, redefining the relationship between the church and mana whenua. We hope that that means that we can journey together rather than apart, which seems to have been what's happened for the last 150 years between the church and the Māori people, in our city at least, that's caused a great division and we want to see a coming together in our city. And the iwi hopes others may follow Curate Church's lead. You know, it's not for us to say we're holding our hands out for handout. No, that's not it at all. But it's the recognition of what happened to us in our history that's really important here. A powerful reminder that it's never too late to do the right thing. I feel a real privilege and honour to just be able to play our part in the story. You know, we've always just tried to be faithful with what's entrusted to us and to want to see it used for the most amount of good. And uh, this seems like something that is very good. And the more we explore the story and the more we hick away the, the journey out, it's just sort of like um, the more it's just confirming that we're on the right path together. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a real privilege. Hey, miharo. Nā D'Angelo Martin, tērā rīpuata. Hei muri ngā whakatairanga ka kōreroau, ki te kaiarahi o te pāti Nahinara, kia Christopher Luxon. Araki mai anō. Christopher Luxon began his political career in 2020 as the spokesperson for iwi development. Now the National Party leader says if he's elected Prime Minister in 2023, his government will move to scrap the newly established Māori Health Authority. The authority was implemented after the Health and Disability System Review found that Māori health outcomes were significantly worse than those of other New Zealanders, representing a failure of the health and disability system. To discuss his vision for Māori, Christopher Luxon joins me now. Tēnā koe. Tēnā koe, mihi. Good to be with you. You're our first guest back into the studio, so it's, great um, to be with it's you. an honour to have you here. The Health and Disability Commission found Māori health was significantly poorer. Mm. Do you accept that? Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. You know, there's massive disparities in Māori health outcomes across this country, and you know, it's something we've got to work really hard at and, and certainly work to improve. When, when, when recently you were asked about the articles of the Tetiriti, uh, I won't get you to, um, to recount those, but you did say that Article 3 ensures equality. Um, what does equality look like for you? Well, look, I think your know, article, I mean, we can debate the treaty, and I'm not a treaty expert, but what but I can tell you... But you did agree it was equality? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yes, absolutely. I mean, and so, you know, for really what that tr what Article 3 is giving us is equality for all citizens of New Zealand, that we are all treated equally, and I think that's, you know, some of that 
you know, we're all aligned with. The real challenges that we have is that, you know, with the inequalities in health outcomes, that's the real thing that I'm obsessed on, is how do we get better outcomes for Māori and for non-Māori? And uh, I think sometimes in this government there's a lot of talk about budgets and spin and announcements, but we're actually not getting better outcomes. Many of our health outcomes over the last four years have deteriorated. You know, are we not equal, good. though? So we, we are all equal. Are we? We are all equal, yeah. I think we are. I mean, that's, that's the ambition, and that's what we should be striving for, is making sure we have increasing amounts of equality in New Zealand for all citizens. So did you know, as a Pākehā man, you are, on average, more likely to live seven years Correct. longer seven than seven and a half years man. longer. Yep. What do you put that down to? Is that equal? No, that's not equal, but what is the real issue here is about how you best deliver outcomes and get results for New Zealanders. And that's really where our focus needs to go. And what we're arguing is, look, the Māori Health Authority um, isn't the way to do that. I, actually, I'm going to ask you about um, what, what your plan is, but what do you attribute that seven-year difference to? Well, look, I think there's a range of things. Poverty is a really big driver of it. You know, we've got real challenges around, if you look at Māori ownership, home ownership rights are very different. If you look at Māori achievement in education, it's very different. If you look at outcomes financially, average Māori earned $10,000 less than the average New Zealander. You know, so there's a lot of things that are at the root cause of all of that. And so, as I said in the intro, if you were to become Prime Minister 2023, your plan is to get rid of the Māori Health Authority. It's an organisation set up directly to target those inequities, those equalities, the seven-year difference between you and, and your Māori brother. Why? What would your solution be? Our answer is very simple. What we fundamentally believe in is we want every Kiwi in this country to flourish. We want to see better outcomes for all New Zealanders. Yes, we have really big improvements to, to get a bunch of improvement on a range of social indicators for Māori uh, and outcomes for Māori. But the way to do that is actually to still have a single system with innovation and components within it that can deliver those can, results. Can you pinpoint a single government in history that has reversed any of those outcomes? No, but what I'd say to you is there have been periods in our time when we've been very fixated on outcomes, we've actually measured targets, we've measured progress, and we've actually made good improvements. You know, if I think about the last National Party government, I'd put it to you, we were starting to make some good improvements with Māori and education. I'd put it to you, we're, we could have one... We're talking one about health, we're talking about... No, no, but, but the point's illustrative of, of what I'm trying to say, which is whether it's health or education, we fundamentally believe a single system can develop, you know, it can, be it can have components of innovation uh, and programmes that actually target on the basis of need and actually be able to do that. Except the problem with that is that your grandchildren will have seven extra years with you and my children won't, on average, might not have seven extra years with, with their quarter. But that's my ambition in life, is the reason I've come to politics, is I want to make sure that actually every Kiwi has the opportunity. We, we, we shouldn't be, we, you know, we've got to think about a world where we actually don't want to be discussing Māori mm. statistics that are different from non-Māori in New Zealand. We've got to work really hard at that on a so range of So you're putting issues. all your faith into a system that so far hasn't worked? No, I'm saying our systems are imperfect, but we have to keep working at perfecting them. But what okay. I'm telling you now is creating a separate Māori health authority with amalgamation, more centralisation, more bureaucracy isn't the way in which you get outcomes. Just, just to put too fine a point on it, we've added 14,000 bureaucrats to Wellington over the last four years, and we haven't delivered better health outcomes, better educational outcomes, better economical poverty outcomes in New Zealand. And so really it's about how you make a system work and how you actually deliver it to get things done. And that's what I really am concerned about at the moment. So we're doing a lot of talk, but we're not actually getting action or results. Do you believe the poor state of, you know, what we've discussed, the unequal health outcomes for Māori is a treaty breach? 
No, what I fundamentally believe is it's about improving outcomes. When you look at your own hui... Okay, let, well, let's break it down. So the crown, the crown fails to uphold equality and equity, and that's that seven-year... We're just using one example. Uh, for Māori, those outcomes are significantly worse. Māori are dying way younger than anyone else. Um, the failure... The, the failure of the government to provide those inequities is like a century old. The same government that's built its um, fortunes on the theft of Māori land and resources and then led the redress, which is offered, and, and you'd be above this, 2 to 3% in the dollar. You're a CEO, you must know what that's like. You know, isn't co-governance or a Māori health authority the least you could do? Well, look, I want to you know, take issue with that. I mean, the first thing I'd say to you is it's not clear to the everyday New Zealander what we're talking about when we say the words co-governance. You know, it might be clear to you, it might be clear to many in the Māori world, you know, in the elite Māori world, that's great. What do you think it is? But, but the average... Tell me what it is. But I can tell you what it's not. For me, co-governance and creating two systems in the delivery of public services is not the way forward. And that's because we fundamentally come from a place where we believe in localism and devolution and we believe that those closest to the problem should solve them, that you actually, as a government, you work with community, you work with business and government to get things so, done. So when do Māori get to participate, there's, to engage, to be the decision-makers, if not for co-governance? So there's, there's lots of opportunities within... That's what I'm trying to say to you, is in mm. the delivery of public services, and, and with respect... First of all, I'd say to you, is it's unclear to me what the government's talking about with co-governance. I think you need to be very explicit and come well, up, well, up front. Well, well, the Māori Health Authority, isn't it something similar to... Say, the example is... Um, and we've all clapped our hands at them, Fano Order and the Māori Health Authorities that have rolled out the vaccination campaigns and done amazing jobs. Absolutely. Isn't it more of that? Isn't no, it's it that Māori, by Māori, for Māori, making the decisions for their people? So very supportive of those initiatives that you just talked about, but that's still done within the context of a single system. And what I'm trying to say to you is that within our system, as imperfect as it is, the answer is not to create two systems that end up creating competition, complexity, and actually have a lot of conflict within them. We're better to actually take a single system and say how do we perfect it more there is ways to do it in the terms of having you know a, a Māori health directorate and within a ministry of health there's ways to do it within terms of iwi partnership I get where programs. you're coming from but maybe the question is how is the Māori health authority two systems it's still under the crown it's it's essentially it's going to create massive amounts of complexity it's going to build a massive bureaucracy by the government's own admission it won't deliver a single improved health outcome for Māori for five years uh, and we're going to build massive it's bureaucracy. been 182 so far I don't think anyone's worried about five I years. appreciate appreciate you got a different view but I'm just trying to give you my perspective around it which is to say look I, I fundamentally think building bureaucracy amalgamation of services and um, you know and it isn't the way in which you deliver an outcome and I think that's what's going to happen here. We'll build a massive bureaucracy. The same thing happens with respect to education. My argument around education is we can have a single system, but we wanted innovation with respect to charter schools. That's a good example of where you've got, actually, you're targeting people on the basis of need and you're developing you know, solutions and innovation that can actually deliver What does the alternative to co-governance look like? Is te noranga tiratanga? It's what, Māori Parliament? Is that what you're suggesting? No, not at all. I mean, that's this. We do, we're not interested in having two systems in this country. We want to have a single system, and as I said to you, we can have innovation and components within that system that deliver the and target with on the basis of need. The single system, though, and it's been like this, and we've just, 
you know, have the tangihana of Moana Jackson, who's, who's talked about this all the time, is that single system is a sing single system that belongs to the majority, which is Pākehā New Zealand, and Māori don't really have a say in it. But I disagree. I think there's opportunity for us to work much harder at making sure that we do actually get people who are closest to it, Māori, whether it's local government on other economic things or infrastructure pieces to it, to actually get engaged in that system. We care... We, we, we believe as a party in devolution and localism, and so we, that's why we did what we did when we were last in government. Yeah, but that's important that we can actually deliver those services um, through engaging with the community. The COVID response was a classic, right? Yeah. The government centrally thought it knew what it was doing, and it wasn't until it genuinely engaged properly, finally, after legal threat and everything, yeah. actually we got outcomes. And we got good outcomes, you know, once we got moving. Fantastic outcomes. Mm. Um, so you, you've said no referendum and you still want to have a corridor around what co-governance you would support. But so far you've said, so treaty settlements, anything that's co-governance as a result of a treaty settlement, you're OK with? What, what, what I said in the last government, co-governance was bounded and in the context of a treaty settlement. It was largely around the management of natural resources and the environment, the often in partnership with... Yeah. Exactly. And I think those things have worked really well. What I'm not up for or what I'm trying to understand and what we're talking about is co-governance and the delivery of public services is a different thing. Māori wards? Um, we haven't been supportive of Māori wards, no. Māori seats? Uh, we, we, they're there, and actually Māori have actually asked the National Party to actually run in those seats, and we're going to do that. Ko Hangareo? Uh, supportive of that, yep, absolutely. But isn't Kohangareo and Kurakaupapa two different systems? Wouldn't that be separatism to you? Look, we can argue it all day. All I'm telling you is that I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to do a much better job of partnering Māori with, with communities. separate channels. That's right, choice and freedom within a broadcasting system. Yep. So it's okay to be separate channels if it's okay, you know, if it's your choice. What I'm saying to you is... Because I think the choice of the Māori Health Authority is the choice of Māori. Yeah, I, just, I, I appreciate you have a different point of view. What I'm telling you is building a massive bureaucracy, which this government will do and the Māori Health Authority will do, and it doesn't deliver a single improved Māori health outcome for five years, is unacceptable. We don't have time to wait for that when, just, when, the, when the differences are so stark. Last week, MP Simon O'Connor raised concerns around... Um, Matariki holiday being called Matariki. He said it should be a more neutral name. What do you think he meant by neutral? Uh, I don't know. You'd have to ask Simon about that. Uh, we, you know, I like the idea of a Matariki public holiday. Uh, the issue for me is essentially New Zealand's just added another public holiday to its register. So which one are we going to pull as a result? But you support Matariki being called Matariki? Absolutely. Do you think um, him suggesting that um, is separatist kōrero? Uh, look, that's something you have to ask him, what I'm saying well, you're to the you. Boss. Well, no, no, sure, but we have a system where everybody says what they want to say. We have freedom of speech, and so he's expressed a view. It's not one that I support. Um, circling back to you were the uh, iwi development uh, spokesperson, what, what, what um, impressed you most about iwi development when you were in that role? Well, look, I think the thing that I've learned even before I came to politics, and I've only been there just over a year and a half, was essentially you see tremendous talent within um, the Māori community. I saw that in the corporate world. We were trying to do programmes like Tuputoa mm. uh, and be able to get you know young Māori kids you know from university into the corporate pathways of corporate New Zealand so they could walk and straddle both worlds very well. Um, but but you see, you see huge think. amounts of talent. You yeah. see huge amounts of um, enterprise. You know, I think about the Māori economy and how that's developed. And for me, you know, I think there's a lot in Māori culture that's really great for New Zealand. And One of the youngest iwi in the country and the biggest is Ngāpui. What do you think uh, are the obstacles in settling that treaty claim? 
Well, look, it's been going on for some period of time. All we'd say to you is that we need to get treaty settlements settled. I think it would be fantastic to have it all Obstacles, done by 2040. Though, would you be open to doing multiple claims on it? Um, those are things that we can look into, and I, you know, to be honest, is I'm not open? into the detail of it. Open, open for that. But what I'm saying to you is, ultimately, we need those treaty settlements closed. Because it has taken a long time, as you know, I think it was Chris Finlay saying that, that was trying to do it back in the day, and. Um, so, you know, you've got 125,000 Ngāpū descendants who have had no reduce, no compensation, no apology, and under your government, no access to participation and co-governance until after they've settled. I guess the question is, where's their equality? Well, the bottom line is we need to get... You know, I, I'm actually very proud of what the National Party did with treaty settlements. I think you look at the work that was started with Doug Graham, you look at the work that was done with Chris Finlayson, an exceptional job. Look, the story's very simple. We need to be able to get... You know, we want to be able to resolve all those treaty settlements so we can go forward. Look forward to that. Tēnā koe, thank you for coming in today. Thank you. Great. Uh, kia mai tōni mai rā, te titiro, ka hui anō tātou, ākonei. I nā te mahi he rangatira. By their deeds, a leader is known. Before we leave, we want to acknowledge the passing of leader and lawyer, Dr Moana Jackson. Moana was Aotearoa's leading expert on te tiriti o Waitangi, a mentor to many and a gentle warrior for his people. Moana dedicated his life to a more equitable and just nation. We want to share with you some of his words about the significance of te tiriti o Waitangi. Kia the treaty, I think, was an amazing document for its time and for today. Because it offered people, no matter where they came from, a place in this land. It said, you are welcome to make your home here. But that welcome also had a certain list of obligations that are placed on those who came. And one of those that was that you can make your home in this land, but not at the expense of the people who are already here. But of course, colonization always works at the expense of the people who are already here. There's a lot of talk about homelessness as a current social problem. And I'd like to suggest that homelessness began in 1840 because Māori were deprived of the right to be at peace at home. The problem we have now is one of houselessness. And if we can solve the problem of houselessness, then we make it easier for people to feel at home. But part of the solution to the houselessness is to remedy the homelessness which colonisation has caused. And the answer to that lies in Te Tiriti Special thanks to BWB Books for that footage, as well as Moana's friends and whānau who shared their images with us. Kā nui te mihi, kia koutou. 
Te puna whakatongarewa te hui i tautoko.